Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. Imagine a kid so brainy he could have used his first words to correct the doctor's pronunciation in the delivery room and then filed his own birth certificate for efficiency. This boy, armed with a legit weapons-grade IQ, decides one day that the world is just too dull and predictable for his taste. Fast forward a few years, and this former whiz kid, who could have been solving the mysteries of the universe, decides instead that his goal is to unravel the fabric of society. Yes, we're talking about Ted Kaczynski, better known as the Unabomber, a man whose transition from mathematical marvel to mailbomb maestro is more baffling than trying to understand why people watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Kaczynski wasn't just a troubled soul, he was a riddle wrapped in a mystery, inside an enigma, and mailed in a package that you definitely wouldn't want to sign for. This is a guy who looked at the modern world with all its technological wonders and said, nope, not for me. He traded chalkboards and lecture halls for a life in the wild, proving that cabin fever can have a whole new meaning when you're both the architect and the inmate of your solitary confinement. In his forested fortress of solitude, Kaczynski concocted a plan so diabolical it would make Bond villains go, well, that's a bit much, isn't it? But what turns a man from potential professor to a pariah, from a lover of numbers to a deliverer of doom? That's what we're here to find out. So buckle up. Keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times, and maybe double-check your mailbox as we dig into the most famous homegrown terrorist of the 20th century on this latest episode of Asshole Court. So before we get into the show here, first of all, I want to give a shout out to some fans that created the AHC Podcast Discord. Nice. Uh, I actually jumped on there this weekend for the first time. Sweet. All right. And uh, it's really a great sort of setup. I've never really used Discord before, so I was always sort of like intimidated. I was like, I don't know. I don't really, you know, I was like, I just normally I'm on Reddit. I don't want to learn something new. But they were like, dude, you should honestly just go check it out. So I went on there and it it's it's a pretty cool setup. It's uh, you go on there and there's little different categories. They've already made me a um, a moderator, which is a mistake because I don't know <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. We're giving Mikey the red button before yeah. he even yeah. knows what he's they doing. They're like, hey, hey, look who it is! Look who showed up to his own fucking fan club. Uh, Shane <laughs> Shane from uh, Midnight Factor Insomniacs jumped in. He was like, hey, look who fucking arrived! Nice. Your own own Discord. So uh, Randy and Buddy aren't on there yet. I don't know. They may jump on there, uh, but uh, anybody else, if you're not on there yet go check it out because there's an opportunity to sort of like chat and there's all sorts of different stuff i shared a picture of my shakaroni pizza that i was eating last night because everybody was talking about what they were eating and i had to embarrass myself and show what a fucking loser i am by eating a full-on shakaroni pizza by myself oh man trying to skip a couple days on that papa john eating trip and you know just doubling down with shakaronis i did yeah i got it because well, it's the foldable slice it is the foldable slice yeah. it's also uh the it's a it's a pretty good deal and you can also, I didn't realize this, you're not confined to just the pepperoni. So I went meatball. 
So I had a giant. You can put whatever you want. On you it. absolutely oh, yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were like, "Well, it's you know, America, man. It's true. <laughs> it's true." Well, I just thought Papa that goddamn John. I thought that the deal was just for the, the that specific type of okay. pizza, and it is. So uh, people were asking me in the Discord, they're like, "What is the shakaroni pizza?" And I was like, "I mean, it's a giant pizza with shack on it. You know what I mean?" So just on the box, exactly. Yeah, he's not but, on the pizza. I mean, he could be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping not. But is it a slice that would like fit in his hand or something? Well, like that? they were all asking. They're like, I mean, how big? And that's why, again, and I've said this a million times. I just, I just need to see Shaq's dick. <laughs> I just, I just need to see it. I need to see if it's scale. I just don't understand. You know, I mean, his giant hands, his giant pizza, his giant dick. Right? We had a buddy run into him, literally, almost run into him physically. He was walking out of a restaurant as our buddy was walking in, and our buddy is big. Our buddy's probably six three, three hundred pounds. Yeah. And he was like, Shaq made me feel like a complete bitch. He's yeah. Like, it oh, is wow. the largest yeah. human I've ever been yeah. around. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Pardon me. Yep. And wasn't his first wife like pretty small? Yep. Like, Well, that's when we were talking about Shaq's dick and somebody posted up that big giant guy from Game of Thrones and his tiny wife. And I was like, again, just for the sheer mechanics of it, I would have to see how they fuck. I just don't understand how this happens. You know? Just for research purposes. A hundred percent. I mean, she, yes. She was attractive as well, which helps. But I was just like, it's it's uh, it was interesting. So, anyways, uh, all all that aside, go check out the Discord. It's uh, very cool, and we appreciate everybody who set that up and Absolutely. has been hanging out without us on there. Yeah, thanks yeah. very much. That's For really sure. awesome. Yeah. After that, we have a review from uh, the inbox. All right, here and, we go. Uh, we'll get into this one here real quick. Uh, it's not a good one. Nope. Not a good one at all. And it's from Jack and Emmy, and uh, they're they're disappointed. They gave us a one star review, noting one star one star review, noting quote. I mean, anyone can read Wikipedia aloud, end quote. And I just want to take a moment here to note that that is like only like 70% of what we do, okay? <laughs> <laughs> also, I'd like to know the irony on calling us out for low effort when you just delivered the most low effort bad review in our show's history. <laughs> like, at least <laughs> Hank House fucking went in on us, I right? mean, or me. Uh, <laughs> your bad review had about as much thought involved in it as a post-Taco Bell dinner fart. Uh <laughs> And you didn't even bother to look up like our citations that show the sources we use outside of say, Wikipedia. Yeah, when we write the shows, they're all listed on the page. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, it's like, and I do the actual citation That's right. formatting. Yep. Sometimes there's like 22 sources. That's exactly right. It takes me like fucking an hour and a half mm-hmm. to like go in and format them all correctly. That's true. Yeah. It's true. We don't use yeah. just Wikipedia. We don't. don't and we also, can't. I just wanted to point out, which one are you? Are you Jack or are you Emmy? And uh, which one of you is so insecure that you have to share a review account? <laughs> you guys share a fucking cell phone, little bitch? All right, Mikey, we can't dog everybody that gives us one-star reviews. So take your uh, joint Facebook account and go shove it. That's exactly right. And anyway, everyone stay tuned for Jack and Emmy's podcast, Wikipedia Warriors. It's going to be huge. <laughs> oh, that's great. We got a bunch of good ones, too, on Spotify, but that one was just one I wanted to point out. So, yep. Jack and Emmy, fuck off! Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't know. You guys got anything else before we get into preliminary scores? Real quick, we do have three shout-outs to give for recommendations for this show. We have Jake Bouillard off of Instagram, Kurt Van Curen off of Facebook, and then last but not least, Fancy and Important Man off of Reddit, all three of them gave the suggestion for this show, and if we missed anybody out there, we're sorry. Let us know in the comments, but uh, I think we got everybody here. So thank you for the suggestions, and everybody else, keep them coming. All right, let's let's uh, let's do it. Let's get preliminary scores for Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Who's going first? Randy, you're going to go first. What you got? All right, so I saw a documentary or 
it wasn't a biography. It was a documentary about the Unabomber, probably like a year and a half or so, maybe mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Super interesting. Yeah. And it kind of just brought back and reinforced some of the stuff I already kind of knew. Yeah. But it really shone the light on like kind of how like off the grid he went. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, I remember when this all kind of went down. You know, you hear about it and you hear, oh, crazy story in sure. the woods, the guy, the bombs, all the shit. Yeah. But then when you see, like, you know, how involved and how far off the grid and yeah. how far he went, it's pretty wild. You know, it was wild. Oh, absolutely. And then how it all kind of ended. You yeah. know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give it away right now. Yeah. But We're going to get into that for sure. Yeah. It was kind of a crazy story. But, you know, kind of like when you talk about scores, I was looking at our chart and it's, it's difficult, right? Because he killed a bunch of people. No sexual stuff. I don't think he no. was. He, had, he went out there molesting kids in his no, hut no, in the woods. No. Um, he was just molesting himself in that little shack. <laughs> yeah. Over and over, over and again. again. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, I wouldn't. No. He was like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Go blow something else yeah. up, okay? You can work like, on a bomb and stop working on me. Hopefully he didn't find any like mountain goats out there. That he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Anyhow, all right, so <laughs> pre-show, I think he's a little worse than Jared Fogle. He's not as bad as Vlad the Impaler. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to quite split the difference. I'm going to go 9.13. Nine point, I did split the difference pretty much. 9.13. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do exactly what I'm about to do. <laughs> yeah, pre-show for the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. Okay, Ted Kaczynski, 9.13 for Randy. Buddy, what you got? All right, so for me... I know of Ted Kaczynski as being the Unabomber, but he's just somebody that I never really researched mm-hmm. prior to this show. I remember hearing stuff about some mail bombings or something like that, but mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's the extent to the knowledge that I had yeah. pre-show going into this. Now, I did watch Ted K, mm-hmm. uh, the movie on Hulu. Is that good? Is it, it on Hulu? It's on Hulu. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. I, cause I thought it was on Netflix, so that's why I didn't watch it. No, it's on Hulu, All right. and uh, it's got the guy from District 9 in there, okay. uh, the main guy. The alien? Yeah, who turns into the alien. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That Ted. was an interesting movie. I ended up liking that movie, even though I didn't think I was going to. That was It also caught me off guard, yeah. and uh, I liked his character, but yeah. I really haven't seen him in anything else, so okay. seeing him in this, uh, he did a really good job. Okay. Well, I'm going to watch that tonight, after I just uh, overdose on Ted Kaczynski today. Yeah. <laughs> there is one scene in the movie where I guess he is... He's basically like staying in a hotel in the, in the city at this mm-hmm. point, and he's you know starting to plan a couple of... Uh, devious things Mm -hmm. and he goes to alter his appearance a little bit because Mm -hmm. he's afraid maybe a camera will see me or something like that or somebody will recognize me and he's trying to alter his appearance and the dude takes a cinder block and smashes it to his face that makes sense (laughs) 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 but it's like he doesn't even flinch when he does it Mm -mm. and i've only seen that happen one other time in real life (laughs) and that was actually with randy yeah Uh, when we were teenagers that was more of an accidental one though it wasn't an intentional (laughs) face smash it was not an intentional face smash randy we were out in a field with uh one of our other buddies and we found a cinder block just out in the middle of a field it was like a massive chunk of concrete Yeah. yeah yeah And Randy was, you know, fist pumping it over his head a couple of times. That's right. And one of the times it just kind of got a little bit too close to his head and he fucking popped himself right in the head. Right between the eyes. Man. And 
anybody else, it would have knocked him out. I mm-hmm. swear to God. But Randy just went down to one knee for a second and kind of, you know. He did the wrestler thing where his arms started <laughs> yeah, shaking. He's arm. hyping himself up. <laughs> I'm just going to be okay. <laughs> and he got right back up and we just kept on going. Yeah, it was a big ass chunk of concrete. Yeah, like and one I, that you would like if there was a pole sticking out of it yeah. and you tore it out of the ground. And I was. I was pressing it over my head, just laughing and showing off. And it fucking slipped out of my hand. It did. I just lost grip on it. And it, man, that thing hit me right between the <laughs> eyes from like three, two feet yeah. above my head. Uh, yeah. I dropped it right on my face. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I was looking dead at it. It hit yeah. me right in the face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I saw stars watching it, yeah. let alone Randy. Yeah. If it was a movie, it would have been from the first person perspective and it just goes black. <laughs> yeah. And then you look up at your friends looking down yeah. at you. Yeah. <laughs> you okay, dude? Yeah. yeah. What happened? Yeah. yeah. I knew that was self inflicted. Yeah. And it busted me open. It cut me. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. And so, yeah, Ted K. he also took a cinder block to the face, <laughs> yeah. but then he started shaving right afterwards. Like, huh. he plugged his nose up and just started shaving afterwards. I was like, mm, I don't know about that so much. He he definitely didn't look as tough as Randy. Um, no, well, no. <laughs> and especially even when Randy was in high school, man. Like, he was, yeah, no. But how would, like, hitting yourself in the face with it, like, is he trying to, like, break his face? Yeah. He broke yeah. his nose so that way it would kind of, like, puff out. And oh. so he's putting on glass. He's usually a beard, so yeah. he put on the glasses, broken nose. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of impressed. That's dedication. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, you ain't uh, getting me. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, that... Uh, that chuckled at that, and it brought back some old memories <laughs> from, uh, you know, the teenage days. But, uh, you know, I really don't know a ton about Ted Kaczynski on the front end, so I kind of just got to go with, you know, I know that pre-show, before I did any research on him, I knew that he had killed a couple of people. Uh, so just running that off of the, the scale that we have, I'm going to put him just a tick above O.J. Simpson and, you know, right in between O.J. and Jeffrey Epstein pre-show and i'm gonna put him at an 8.6 to start things off 8.6 for buddy mikey what you got okay it's kind of a complicated thing uh and we'll get into this more as we go but i feel like you know obviously on paper you're like yeah this guy's a fucking terrorist (laughs) you know he was sending people bombs but i don't know i just i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna make this sort of quick and easy because we'll get into this more as i sort of explain the score but i feel like he is slightly not as shitty as l ron hubbard i'm gonna put him at 8.82 all right all right 8.82 for mikey all right with a 9.13 from randy an 8.6 from buddy and an 8.82 from mikey ted kaczynski's pre-show asshole score is an 8.85 all right 8.85 literally just a shade above bill cosby who was 8.84, and just below Kid Killer Casey Anthony at 8.92. So in between Bill Cosby and Casey Anthony, pre-show falls the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski. Nice, nice. Every time I hear you say Casey, I always expect you to jump into Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. That's right. (laughs) Kid Killer Casey Kasem. Kid Killer Casey Kasem. (laughs) Jack 40. (laughs) All right, well, you guys ready to ship this episode? Let's blow it up. Like a toilet. (laughs) Receive, sir. Ted Kaczynski's journey begins in post-war Chicago. He is born on May 22, 1942, to a couple of working-class parents, Wanda, Teresa, and Theodore Richard Kaczynski, a sausage maker. 
He is the sausage king of Chicago. Of Chicago. <laughs> yes. Teddy Kaczynski. What, what was his dad's name? His dad's name was Theodore, uh, Theodore, right? yeah. Theodore Richard Kaczynski. Yeah, Teddy Kaczynski. Or if he went by his middle name, he was Dick Kaczynski. That's it. The sausage king of Chicago. Not Abe Froman. That's right. Good As old Abe Froman. Yeah. 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 A little reference from uh, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, exactly. And that makes sense. He's Polish. He's living in Chicago. I don't know if you can do any other job. I think you're legally bound to be yeah. a sausage maker <laughs> at this point. That's exactly right. Uh, in a time when the American dream was in full swing, Ted's early life hinted at something extraordinary. His intelligence, with an IQ that towered at 167, Ooh. set him apart in an age when conformity was the norm. And for once, I believe that IQ score <laughs> of one of our show subjects. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you say that because the movie Ted K, they a lot of the movie is based on the writings that they found in his yeah. shack or whatever. And a lot of the times, it's almost like, I feel like Homer Simpson's reading at cards on the side, like, it's like, him read card good. <laughs> like, he drops, like, certain, like, really necessary, like, pronouns yeah. and just, like, little words that make him sound kind of stupid. Why use many words when few, few do word. trick? Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is. There's, there's narrow source of intelligence here. We're going to see that he, he was never destined to be Shakespeare. <laughs> you know, he was more on the STEM side of things. This is true. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I actually believe his IQ score here. Uh, Not like DMX, exactly. who was, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. said that he was a genius. Yeah, as I said, some other show subjects made that claim. I think Courtney Love or someone else yeah, claimed one yeah. that high. She but did. you'll see in the show what a score that high actually entails. And it's not just like, they're pretty smart. <laughs> uh, anyway, here's the thing. Kaczynski's so fucking smart that he ends up skipping a grade, not once, but twice. At Evergreen Park Central Junior High, he is recognized as a genius and allowed to skip the sixth grade. What's interesting is that some people noted that prior to his grade skipping, the first one, little Ted was a well-adjusted social kid, uh, even showed some signs of like leadership. Uh, Ted himself even said that. He said everything was, was cool. But afterwards, he became introverted. Uh, seems like he felt like a bit isolated and, and didn't relate to the kids at that point. In the movie, they show this one particular scene where he's on the phone with his mom. And his mom's like, basically, you just need to get a girlfriend, Ted. And he's like, I'm, I'm the one who's like socially introverted. Like Maybe if you hadn't advanced me two grades... Yeah. Back in high school or middle school, I would actually know how to interact with people. Yeah. But I don't, I don't mom. And it even goes into like him being like, I've only made it to first base once with one girl, mom. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've kissed one girl. She's not like, even touched you, a titty. Ted, do you know what first base is? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, don't tell me this stuff, Ted. He's like, well, who else am I supposed to yeah. tell? He said, first base is me masturbating thinking about a girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> then I've been there nightly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a second base yet where I actually talk to I'm them. I'm like Pete Rose. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All-time hits leader, that's if that's it. the case. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I said, he's, he doesn't like relate to these kids. And worse than just not relating, it also seems that the kids like bullied him, which makes sense because like little fucking Ted was, dork. Yeah. <laughs> fucking nerd. Why don't you do my math homework, yeah. you fucking dork? Yeah, little Ted was like 10 years old and like a 13 or 14 year old ain't going to lose that fight. He's like a baby or a sick gazelle getting picked <laughs> off by a pack of hyenas, man. It's just it's just the circle of life at that point. It's like the little kid in Almost Famous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But getting picked on uh, isn't abnormal. And this is uh, before. School shootings were all the rage, so little Ted just ducks his head down and gets real good at schoolwork. Remember, that it was kind of like Elon Musk. Remember, Elon Musk once got uh, thrown down some steps. He did. Yeah. And uh, stomped the shit out. kicked out of him. Yeah. yeah. He did. Uh, that was uh, the drama club version of that scene in Goodfellas when they stomp <laughs> out Billy Bats. <laughs> Go get your fucking shine box, Elon. <laughs> Ted moves on to Evergreen Park Community High School, where he continues to excel academically. 
He joins clubs like Mathematics, Biology, German, and Coin Club. And recognizing that he's an absolute nerd, he picks up the appropriate instrument, the trombone, which we all know makes the mating call of high school dorks. Hey, womp, womp. hey, 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 easy there, <laughs> I'm Mikey. kidding. Yeah. I just wanted to see Randy's face <laughs> when I ripped on the trombone, the instrument he played for three or four years. I did. Uh, I started in fifth grade, and Buddy was right there with me. That's exactly that's right. right. <laughs> and I played all the way up through middle school, but I got to high school, and you had to make the decision either band or football, and that yeah. was easy. Yeah. <laughs> so I stopped playing trombone. You whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. I forgot whoa. Buddy played trombone, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, right I only played played for fifth and sixth grade and then okay. i was like i'm out screw yeah, this yeah yeah our oh, band director in middle school is a total douchebag yeah and yeah. He, he would pick on me at times so i was yeah. like screw this i'm not going through two more years of this well how are you gonna pick on a fucking band kid when you're the band you're the king of yeah. the nerds <laughs> he was, yeah he was the king of the nerds yeah, yeah what an asshole and kaziski as i mentioned is ridiculously smart so smart that he's weird you know the type. Like all of his brain power has been committed to solving math problems, which doesn't leave much like for understanding of social interactions. Yes. In 1996, a former classmate said, quote, he was never really seen as a person, as an individual personality. He was always regarded as a walking brain, so to speak. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, little Ted gets really into mathematics and starts running with a crew of similar whiz kids that all carry briefcases. What was in those briefcases, you might ask? Well, probably their school books and lunches. I don't know. Protractors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to say, maybe a slide rule, a cheese stick. I don't know. <laughs> They're just dorks. That was their little backpacks. Yeah, I, I feel like somebody in our school carried a briefcase, too, at some point. At some point. Oh, yeah. yeah I feel, yeah. Anyways, little Ted is recognized as a legit fucking genius again, and everyone is like, dude, don't even sweat 11th grade, bro. You're good. So he skips that grade, goes to summer school, and graduates at 15 years old. Jeez. He's also accepted into Harvard. So at 15 years old, little Ted heads off to Harvard. A classmate would later say, quote, they packed him up and sent him to Harvard before he was ready. He didn't even have a driver's license. How the fuck do you, yeah, how are you going to survive there? Like The bus, I guess? I mean, but even still. I guess you walk around on campus. Yeah, bus, subway, yeah, walk. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, bike, maybe. bike. Yeah. Also, I guess you know, it's not like he's going to some community college and like you know, a bad part of town in yeah. Atlanta. <laughs> Harvard's pretty nice. I think he'll be okay. Actually, no, he won't be because we know the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I retract that statement. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Kaczynski's foray into Harvard at sixteen was less about academic laurels and more about a deep dive into psychological distress. And uh, rolled in a study known infamously as the Murray Experiment, Ted experienced a level of psychological duress that would be unthinkable today. Side note, some sources have suggested that Murray's experiment, which we're about to get into, was part of Project MKUltra, the CIA's program of research into mind control. I anyway, thought that was a band. MKUltra? Yeah, it was named after the uh, okay. project. Yeah there's, yeah, there's an album. I figured there's a bunch that was stuff. it. Yeah. yeah, it was a government all right, LSD project. Huh. There's a lot of stuff that went on in that project. We'll probably do a conspiracy court on that one, but they a lot of people assume that this was maybe an extension of that, which you know I don't know, sort of hmm. fits in. But you'll see as we go on, like this guy touches a little bit of everything too. He's he's sort of like Forrest Gump or Courtney Love. Anyway, here's how it worked. Basically, the subjects of the study were told they would debate personal philosophy with a fellow student and were asked to write essays detailing their personal beliefs and aspirations. These essays were given to an anonymous individual who would confront and belittle the subject in what Murray himself called, quote, vehement, sweeping, and personally abusive attacks using the content of the essays as ammunition. So imagine, you get told, write a paper on your political beliefs, 
And you're a young college libertarian, so you crib off Ayn Rand and talk about shit like the virtue of selfishness and turn it in. The next week when you show up, a person would comment out loud about how derivative your thoughts were and how unoriginal and embarrassing the essay is. Then they call you a pussy for good measure. <laughs> Worse still, as you were treated to this abusive critique of your bullshit essay, you were attached to electrodes and camera monitoring to record just how angry or uncomfortable you are with the whole thing. Then they fucking play it back for you over and over and over again. What the value of the study was, I struggled to understand. But the good thing is it only lasts like a week or two. I'm kidding. Ted did the shit for three fucking years. Three oh, years? wow. Three years. Three years of just doing that week in and week out. Writing papers and then getting talked Getting shit, shit on. Just getting your papers shit on. I would imagine you become numb to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the people that leave us one-star reviews. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's a gluttony <laughs> yeah. for punishment, though. Yeah, man. Like, I know. Except for that, we're probably a little bit better than the the one star review we got this last time. <laughs> that was just like one sentence. Exactly. You know? I put a lot of thought into exactly. His papers. Yeah, the Murray experiments they'd really let you have it. You know, they were smart and talented. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's really like easy to take this and apply it retroactively to how we ended up and point a finger of guilt at Murray in an objectively fucked up experiment. But Ted would say that the study didn't affect him at all, which. That's pretty tough to swallow, Ted. Right. <laughs> didn't affect you at all? That sounds like a dude that got picked on in high school and had a kill list that he just didn't act on, thankfully. Later being asked about school and saying, I barely remember it, bro. <laughs> it's like the guy in Billy Madison. Exactly. Yeah. As I was, yeah, as I was watching the movie, it was like, it kind of feels like this is the younger version of Steve Buscemi, like, you know, like <laughs> writing out the kill list, yeah. planning everything. As I wrote that Crossing last his line, name off yeah. and putting the lipstick yeah. on yeah. yeah. As I wrote that line out, it's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> in my mind. He goes, wow, I'm glad I called that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Madison, also the best Adam Sandler movie. I would hands, say, hands yeah. Hands down. Yeah. yeah. Hands down. Happy Gilmore is a close second. Close second with Bill, Gilmore. Bill, Billy Madison is yeah. probably the best. It's yeah. dark as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes? Do you want to say in the next show subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast. Get those ad-free shows you want. Get some input on who you want to hear about and become internet famous with a shout out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends and you'll get new conspiracy court episodes as well. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast to find us today. Anyways, post-Harvard, Kaczynski pursued a promising career in mathematics. In 1962, Kaczynski enrolled at the University of Michigan, where he earned his master's and doctoral degrees in mathematics in 1964 and 1967, respectively. Uh, he had applied to UC Berkeley and to the University of Chicago, uh, but was denied. Well, he wasn't denied, he was accepted, but they wouldn't pay him while he attended. Hmm. So he went with his third choice, Michigan, who okay. did pay him. I thought you were going to say that the University of Chicago denied him because they were like, you're a Polish maker, or That's you're a it. sausage <laughs> maker. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, he's, he's a legacy. <laughs> you know, that we point. can't bring you on at this point. They said, listen here, listen here, Kaczynski, we'll pay you too, but you're going to have to work in the cafeteria. <laughs> Tell your dad to bring his sausages in for us, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, his work there in, at the University of Michigan as a graduate student specialized in complex analysis and geometric function theory. What is geometric function theory? How shapes work? <laughs> I wanted to know, too. <laughs> I wanted to know what it was, too, because I didn't understand. So I asked ChatGPT to explain it to me simply. And then when it answered, I asked for it to explain it even more simply. <laughs> and then finally, I asked it to explain it to an idiot, <laughs> which worked <laughs> at that point. So here it is. 
This is what ChatGPT told him. All right. <laughs> Imagine you have a sheet of uh, stretchy rubber with a picture drawn on it. Geometric function theory is like a magical way to stretch or twist that rubber sheet. When you do this, the picture changes shape, but some parts of it, like the corners where lines meet, still look the same. It's like playing with a funhouse mirror that stretches and squishes your reflection in weird and wonderful ways. I sort of understood that much better than the All right. than the simple, simple version of that. Yeah, that, yeah. Kind of sounds like almost like when you put silly putty on a newspaper and pull it off. Yeah. You have the image, but and start messing can, with it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the application for this is necessarily, but it's, it's obviously there. And yeah, honestly, even then, I, I was still sort of lost. <laughs> so <laughs> a 167 IQ I do not have. <laughs> I don't even fully understand what he's right. working on. Anyway, it's super respected work that he's doing. George Peranian, another of his Michigan mathematics professors, said, quote, It is not enough to say he was smart. Professor Alan Shields wrote about Kaczynski in a great evaluation that he said was, quote, the best man I have ever seen. The best man? Yeah, like in terms of mathematics. Okay, yeah. mathematical. Yeah. I was like, Yeah, he was the best man at his wedding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, uh, he banged the bridesmaid and <laughs> he did. blew up her husband years later. <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's pretty wait, high no, He never got past first base, so I retract that statement. Yeah. <laughs> he probably uh, still sent the package in the mail, though. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. He wanted to bang the bridesmaid and then, yeah, killed her husband years ago. Well, later. that's what he got there on their registry. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'll send your package to you. <laughs> yeah, it's a toaster. Just go ahead. <laughs> Open that up. Yeah, shake it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, something else happens to Ted around the time he is at Michigan. In 1966, Ted experiences an odd couple of weeks, full of intense sexual fantasies, which, you know, that's pretty normal for a young man in his early 20s or 30s or 40s. (laughs) (laughs) The the trouble for Ted, though, is that these fantasies involve him being a woman. And if you thought trans issues are a tough convo now, imagine the mid-60s. Anyway, he's wanting to know what's going on in his mind. It's such an odd and intense thought process, so he goes to a psychiatrist. While he's sitting in the waiting room for his appointment, he's like, do I tell the shrink that I'm thinking about being a woman? Like, I think I want to be a woman. Yeah. And he's a professional. He won't judge. He'll help me, right? No. No, 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 never mind. I'm keeping the shit to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so he talks to a psychiatrist about, uh, you know, he, he doesn't want to talk about him wanting to be a woman or having intense sexual fantasies about being a woman. So he talks to him. About how much he loves John Wayne movies and splitting wood with an axe before drinking whiskey and fist fighting for fun. There you go. <laughs> you know, something super masculine. Total speculation on my part. <laughs> so what are you here for, Ted? I don't know. Just feel like fist fighting dudes, drinking whiskey and being a cowboy. Yeah. The normal stuff. Somebody yeah. made me come. Yeah. I don't even know why I'm here either. Speaking of making me come, you see that fucking girl out there? <laughs> Hit it on the way in. <laughs> I mean, I'm total sexual with fucking... Yeah, no. It's and you're a, not too bad either, Doc. You want to double up? Yeah. He said, yeah, I'm thinking about putting a dress on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, once he leaves, he like begins thinking seriously about killing the psychiatrist. Oh, man. For reasons. Like, he doesn't seem very well adjusted <laughs> at this point. He would later recall about this period and incident, quote, I felt disgusted about what my uncontrolled sexual cravings had almost led me to do, and I felt humiliated, and I violently hated the psychiatrist. Just then there came a major turning point in my life. Like a phoenix, I burst from the ashes of my despair in a glorious new hope. So he was really thinking about getting a sex change, which I can't imagine the surgery was very good back in the 60s. Oh, God, no. Yeah, they just sort of like slice you open and put a couple grapefruits (laughs) there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's Tenni- yeah, jam some tennis balls in your chest and chop your dick off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have fun. 
Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're talking about a transsexual academic on a U.S. college campus. So if Ron DeSantis is listening, he just turns it <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, in 1967, Kaczynski's dissertation, Boundary Functions, won the Sumner B. Myers Prize for Michigan's Best Mathematics Dissertation of the Year. Alan Shields, the doctoral advisor, called it, quote, the best I have ever directed. Maxwell Reed, a member of his dissertation committee, said, quote, I would guess that maybe 10 or 12 men in the country understood or appreciated it, none of which are in the studio. <laughs> yeah, or hopefully hopefully one of them read that paper. Yeah, you I know, mean, I guess yeah. they, somebody had to. It was so, yeah. peer-reviewed. I don't, I don't even understand. Right, yeah. If there's probably 12 people that understand it, odds are those aren't the people that reviewed it, or maybe not all of them, you yeah. know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know how that Tough works. Tough shake at it. but that's I've never been niche. published. Yeah, I'm just not, I've never be smart enough to, be smarter than 99% of the general public and uh-uh. write stuff nobody understands. Yeah. I write like this like kind of stuff. That, yeah. Like, yeah. Where I apparently just, I just read Wikipedia <laughs> over and over again. Thanks, Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I actually went to Wikipedia to understand the geometric function theory or whatever it was. No no chance. Still, I had yeah, to go to ChatGPT and be like, talk to me like I'm a moron. Yeah. It said I do and that all the time. And then dumb it down mind. again. Yeah, exactly. He leverages that academic output to land a job at UC Berkeley as an assistant professor. And initially, it seems to be going well. It looks like he's like on track for tenure at that point. But also, he doesn't seem to be super loved by his students. Uh, they didn't have like rate my professor at that point. But what has been found on his evaluations from that period are that his students thought that he was awkward, boring, and not helpful at all. Like he wouldn't answer questions for him or anything. Huh. Additionally, the area of mathematics that Ted had worked in basically went away because he'd helped solve it all. Like, for real. He solved the math. Yeah. He, what? He worked himself. What? Out of, he, he solved, he, like, finished the math. Yeah. Like, it's like in Goodwill Hunting, the shit on the board. Like, yeah. eh, it's done. Yeah. Like, what do you mean it's done? That's what the whole class is around. They're like, yeah, it's done. Like, Ted, let me uh, ex- explain something to you, buddy. You just worked yourself out of a job, okay? Yeah. Something called job security. Pretend you don't know what that is. Cool. Check the mail. <laughs> asshole yeah. <laughs> oh man and maybe it's a combination of both of these realities uh, that he was a shitty professor and that his mathematics field was no longer interesting to anyone anymore because it was solved that causes ted to move on to his next moment in life and on june 30th 1969 completely without warning ted resigned from his assistant professor role at uc berkeley he heads off to illinois where his parents live and he stays with them for a couple years and there isn't like a whole bunch about what he does there during this time I was reading some other stuff. Like, he, I think he got a job with his brother and his dad at some point. All right. And then... Something and, to get a little bit of money coming in. He ended up yeah. getting fired because he apparently had written, like, a, a sexually nasty limerick about one of his supervisors. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, on the bathroom stall or something like that. I know. There once was, was a man from Nantucket. Nantucket. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he said, this is my calling. This is what I should have been doing the whole time. Fuck geometric functions. I just do a really good nasty <laughs> limerick. Nasty limericks. Yeah. I wish I could have found more about that because it really is aligned <laughs> more with what our show does. <laughs> In the movie, they they don't have anything prior to when he's like starting to like move out into the woods and stuff like that. So it really picks up when he's like 35-ish or yeah. so and just goes from that point on. Yeah. Well, that's when it got interesting. There's nothing interesting about working at a sausage factory and writing nasty limericks. <laughs> yeah. We all do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking Tuesday for yeah, me. That's it. Good Lord. Can you imagine the HR call? <laughs> Mr. Kaczynski. It's on the wall, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Who wrote that? 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was in there when I went in there. Yeah. It's pretty good, though, you think? Right. It rhymes. <laughs> that made second, me chuckle. Yeah, the second and third line's really yeah, a good transition. That's where it lands. Because you don't know that fuck it's coming. I, st- I stayed up all night. I mean, like, I don't know. Somebody <laughs> put a lot of work into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. Checks in the mail. <laughs> uh, shortly thereafter, around 1972 or 1973, he moves out to Lincoln, Montana, where he builds a cabin. Well, yeah, you could really just call it a shack. That's it's not calling yeah. it a cabin is definitely too generous. Yes, yeah, so it's very shackish. Yes, uh, there's no electricity and no running water, and this is by design because it seems that Ted really just wanted to get back to the very basics of being human, being entirely self-sufficient, living off the land and taking dumps in the wood, followed by an arduous wipe session with some leaves pulled from any branch within arm's length. <laughs> He had a bicycle that he rode into town to get supplies or work occasionally at the library. And that bike had candy paint, a bitchin' banana seat, ape hanger handlebars, and a sissy bar. (laughs) Actually, yeah, it did. He looks like one of those motorcycles. Oh, really? Big armed motorcycles. (laughs) On a bike. (laughs) Which, like I said, that that setup is like the coolest bike around in the 70s and early 80s for those listeners that don't understand bicycle culture from your ancestors. (laughs) Kids these days don't understand how much, like, that. your bicycle was like your fucking car, oh, man. no doubt. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I remember very vividly working on my bicycle, not really knowing what I was doing, just a socket wrench and just kind of fucking fucking Tighten around up, while yeah. I was listening to fucking Led Zeppelin and shit <laughs> and thinking that I was basically going to be a mechanic. <laughs> I never, the bike didn't do well. No. <laughs> didn't. We also built a, a go-kart, a go-kart that I pulled behind my dirt bike. And I made brakes out of two by fours that were wood that basically caught fire as soon as I actually <laughs> set them to the ground. Uh, I am not an engineer, <laughs> and I paid the price dearly for wrecking that go kart. We uh, we stole my sister's boyfriend's go kart one time. Oh yeah, he was keeping it in our garage, and yep. um, we specifically were instructed never to touch it. Do not touch it. So yeah. of course they weren't there. We pulled it out. And he thought I was stupid, and he just disconnected the spark plug. So I just looked down, <laughs> reconnected the spark plug, fired that thing up. Well, one of our buddies was, we kind of had a field behind our house, and you yeah. could drive out there, and we'd turn around and drive back, just kind of doing laps, right? Well, our buddy was driving back towards the house, and he stomped on the brakes, and the cable snapped. Uh-oh. And he was going probably 20 miles an hour, and he split the uprights and went right between two doors downstairs, but it was a brick wall. Oh, yeah. And he hit a brick wall probably going 15 (laughs) miles an hour on a go-kart. And he hit it so hard, the frame bent, but his arm fell back, and he was just kind of sitting there, but his arm was on the engine, (laughs) and it took him a second, and he was like, (laughs) ah! He fucked himself himself up up pretty good, yeah. Did the airbag deploy? uh, I'm kidding. (laughs) Because it's a go-kart. Oh, so we pretty much just moved it back into the... the go-kart, put it back in the garage, disconnect the spark plug, and uh, yeah, let it ride. Of course, he gets home. He's like, I need to see you. I'm like, nope. No, <laughs> I don't Mom. know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that is like a hundred percent a deleted scene from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> like, there's no way that's not the older boyfriend is like, don't ride my go kart. Yeah. <laughs> and we did. Oh, and we totally it. did. Good yep. lord. Yeah, yeah. Also, I like to imagine you know Ted Kaczynski's rolling around town on like this Pee Wee Herman bike too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, streamers yeah, off the, exactly uh, the handlebars yeah the bike game was real when we were kids man it was yeah it was, it was. Important. uh anyway this return to man's roots offered ted a lot of time to do stuff like garden and read and read and read and occasionally <laughs> stop reading to go take a dump in the woods 
<laughs> so what was Ted Kaczynski reading besides Mad Magazine and Nugget? <laughs> well, he read a lot of different stuff, surely, but one of the most impactful books he read was by a French philosopher named Jacques Ellul. The uh, book, written in 1954, is titled The Technological Society. And the book critically examines the role and impact of technology in modern society. Alul argues that technology has become an autonomous force, a phenomenon he terms technique, which dictates the direction of society and individual lives. Uh, he posits that technique has become more than just a collection of tools and practices. It's a unifying ethos that prioritizes efficiency, rationality, and quantification, often at the expense of human values and traditional societal structures. And in the book, he explores how like technique permeates every facet of life, from politics and economics to education and culture, leading to a standardization of society. And he warns that this technological determinism uh, results in a loss of individual freedom and autonomy as people become more dependent on it and shaped by the technological systems that surround them. So basically he's saying, these aren't tools anymore. These are like, we're the tools now for technology. Yeah. And yeah, with every new technological advance that we get that helps us, we're having to sacrifice some kind of freedom in the process. Right. And so he was like, man, screw this. You're you're taking our freedoms. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. And Alul is not as like he's not saying like, oh, you know, you should, you know, he's not like a Luddite in the sense of like, you know, don't you know use technology. He's just like, you just need to be aware of like how much it's affecting society and how it's it's driving things. And it's not we're basically again that we're being used by technology and not vice versa. It did drive him insane, at least as depicted in the movie, because like he would he I mean, big woods guy moves out into the woods mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere, you know, no electricity, no running water. And he was like, he'd love taking hikes and he'd be in the middle of a hike and he'd be sitting in the middle of a field. And then all of a sudden, like a jet would come flying by mm-hmm. and he'd be like, God damn it. <laughs> like he would get mad. Yeah. Like, I mean, furious at the jets. Yeah. Uh, helicopters even started coming through because they were like searching for oil in the mountains right. yeah. and stuff like that. And he would pull out his like rifle and like start shooting at him. <laughs> yeah. Like he hated fucking that kind of technology yeah. and man's like quest for consumption. And, yeah. Huh. yeah, yeah. I mean, I said uh, this work is extremely uh, influential to Ted. At this point, like I said, he's. I mean, I, I don't know if he was reading this book before he moved out to Montana or what. But either way, it's like extremely influential to him. Uh, and like I said, it's arguable that he read it before going off grid and uh, might have gone off grid specifically based on the work. I don't know if that's the case or not. Yeah, it's possible. The very opening scene of the movie shows, uh, it's kind of funny. From what I surmised, it was almost like if he had picked a house in a different, more remote area, mm-hmm. we might not have the Unabomber. Mm-hmm. But he kind of like, it seems like he picked a house like right next to a ski slope or something. Because like he had a lot of people on um, snowmobiles and yeah. stuff. And that's okay. what you see in the intro is like a bunch of people like going around on snowmobiles. And then it just kind of pans into... Ted Kaczynski on the side of a mountain looking like Sasquatch pretty much just kind of looking at everybody yeah. like getting pissed off huh and that's the opening scene of the movie yeah yeah I mean but he's not a, a well-balanced person <laughs> you know like I said like to be honest like a little critique is like pretty valid in my mind like technology is absolutely what drives our behaviors now and not vice versa I don't care wherever I go I always look around and like everybody is just on their phone oh, nonstop. Yeah. it's yes. just dry it literally is what's it's weird when you see videos. I was watching some video the uh, like that was from the '90s, and you're just like, "Oh yeah!" Like nobody's like just staring at their phone constantly, like flipping through it. Which it's not a negative thing necessarily. It's just that I agree that with like the premise of what Alul was saying was that you know obviously like technology's overtaken our lives at this point. Is there some kind of uh, for every generation? Is there not that technology though? In a sense, like because I mean, you look back mm-hmm. in the day, 
Uh, people always like if you look at subways from like the mm-hmm. 1900s, everybody's on uh, looking at newspapers sure. and stuff like that. And, you know, there's always going to or like even prior to that books, mm-hmm. you know, like everybody's yeah. going to be like, oh, these are bad because it always takes all of our attention. But yeah, it's not so much about just the attention factor. It's just how pervasive it is in life. You know what I mean? Sure. And again, I'm not making a critique to say that it's necessarily good or bad. Rather that it's it is just a driving factor. You know what I'm saying? Like social media absolutely influences the way that people think about things and they you know like again just even the the act of eating is like a lot of people have to take the picture and explain oh, yeah. what they're well, doing well, yeah yeah being cool is just so different because yes. prior to in this my opinion and prior to social media when you didn't post pictures of whatever you were doing online right. the attention wasn't to obviously your online presence it was to you and Correct. your interactions with people yep so if you could Hell, be a cool person. Be nice to people. Be somebody that people, oh, man, this dude's cool as fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, easygoing, easy to get along yeah. with. Like, generally, actually a cool person. Yeah. Like, that was how you were cool. Yeah. yeah. It was nowadays, reputation building without, like, quantifying the reputation and nowadays, building by likes. You could be stuff. the biggest fucking douchebag, mm-hmm. but take, like, cool pictures yeah. and, you know, yeah. put whatever story you want to yeah. spin. Here's the video about how I fed this homeless guy, man. Yeah. It turns out he's a Vietnam vet and, like, a really Happy cool guy. Happy Veterans Day to all yeah. you guys out there. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's performative for a lot of people, you know, yeah. right? and that's, you know, again, I mean, we can go down this rabbit hole for sure, but, again, it just goes back to, like, I understand what the, the critique was on Alul's part, and as we get into this somewhat to Kaczynski's part, now, like I said, Alul wasn't, again, you know, he wasn't saying, like, oh, you should destroy technology. Just, again, be aware of it. But Ted takes a much more fundamentalist view on it. Uh, He's a true believer and is doing his best to live entirely untethered from technology and society as a whole. And what I found endlessly amusing as I did this research is that this lifestyle that Ted adopted did not translate into a stress-free existence. He just traded stresses to some extent. And one of the big stresses for Ted was that fucking deer and rabbits kept getting into his garden and eating his goddamn vegetables, (laughs) and it was driving Ted absolutely nuts. From a New York Times article on Kaczynski, quote, he had a war going with those rabbits because they were eating his garden, said Dan Rundell, a local deputy sheriff who gave the uh, suspect Ted Kaczynski the battered bicycle that became his main transportation. The rabbits were gaining. So take a minute to think about it. A legitimate genius, a guy with a 167 IQ who had multiple important academic papers published on a field of mathematics that I could barely understand the explanation of, decide to go off grid and become one with nature again and, well, he is getting absolutely fucking schooled by rabbit and deer. <laughs> it's hilarious. The, the power of Mother Nature, man. <laughs> yep. Mother Nature usually wins, or always wins. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, aside from the rabbits and deer fucking his parsnips up, there's some other shit that's pissing Ted off. And that is the fact that people are moving into the area and building and riding four-wheelers and snowmobiles and shit around his little Walden Pond setup, as Buddy was alluding to earlier. And it's tough to read and sniff your own farts in peace when some asshole is blowing by in their snowmobile, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Ted is a reasonable guy, so he just decides a live and let live approach is best. And I'm obviously kidding. Remember, this is the guy that wanted to kill the psychiatrist he saw because he couldn't get up the nerve to tell him about his cross-dressing fantasies. He is not a normal guy. So around 1975, fed up with the encroachment of others and development of the area, he begins booby-trapping shit and burning buildings down. Mm. Meanwhile, he's defining his worldview and writing it down. The writing is a true manifesto, right? A public declaration of policy and aims, although it won't go public for another 20 years or so. 
All right, so let's get into the Unabomber's Manifesto a little bit here. You guys are somewhat familiar with it, I guess, this right? This is what he wrote. to the, It was a San Francisco newspaper, is that right? Well, he ended up, we're going to get into that, because he ended up trying to get it published by a lot of different people. Okay. But he was writing it himself. You know, it's a legitimate manifesto. He's just like, this is what I believe, and this is, uh, you know, the actions I'm going to take okay. to achieve those. Yeah, they showed this part in the movie mm-hmm. where he's kind of typing it out. Yeah. It's like, number one, number four, number eight. 85 mm-hmm. number 126 yeah. like it just kept on like skipping on like, like yeah it's got a lot of time to think <laughs> yeah you know what i mean all you gotta do is occasionally pause take a dump outside <laughs> maybe rub one out rub one out yeah. <laughs> yeah get mad at a snowmobile you know that's all it is and that was one thing about the movie also they showed him like figuring rubbing out how, one out <laughs> no but they showed him figuring out how to take a shower with buckets and filling up the buckets putting holes into it and he would like raise them up high and he had a little makeshift shower mm-hmm. for some reason they show this and like the only thing they show is they show him dropping his underwear and like digging in his ass to like wipe it out in his crotch uh-huh. and then they show him switching hands and doing the same and yeah. that was it of that scene i'm like did we really need to see that you gotta see him do the full squat and clean that <laughs> yeah. butthole real good <laughs> Gotta get a good wash. Actually, you know, we see his mugshot. She's like, he didn't use that shower bucket very often, did he? No. <laughs> That's interesting, though. I guess, yeah, poke holes in the bucket, yeah. raise it up. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Nothing better than a brisk cold shower <laughs> in the winter of, of Montana. Oh, but he looked thrilled about it. He was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've done some backwoods hiking and been gone for multiple days, and there is nothing better than eating and showering when you get out of that shit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to live this way. This is a couple days to remind myself <laughs> how good I've got it, how nice a shower is. Do you have a show subject that you think would be a great fit for Asshole Court? Hit us up on any of our social media pages and let us know. As you know, we're full of good ideas, and some say full of other stuff. But we'd love to hear your ideas as well. Give us a shout, and maybe your subject will wind up in our courtroom. We'll definitely give you a shout out. Now, let's dive back into the courtroom. Anyway, so his manifesto is titled Industrial Society and Its Future. It outlines his views on the detrimental effects of modern technology and industrialization on society and individual freedom. Sound familiar? Yeah. (laughs) Kaczynski argues that the industrial technological system strips humans of their autonomy, forcing them into a system where they are controlled by technology and large-scale organizations. He asserts that this system is inherently unstable and will inevitably lead to the destruction of nature and human freedom. Kaczynski criticizes leftism in social movements, too. I don't understand why he did that a lot, but he really didn't like leftists. Okay. And I don't know why he would blame technology on them so much, but it could just be... You know, some overlap. Maybe he just didn't like leftists anyways. You know, he was on a college campus for a while. <laughs> it's true. Harvard at that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And UC Berkeley. Yeah. Talk about yeah. left-wing college campus. <laughs> but anyways, he believes that leftism and social movements are symptomatic of the disempowerment and psychological suffering caused by industrial society. But where Ilola took a much more nuanced approach on dealing with a technology-driven society, Kaczynski takes a much more prescriptive one. Kaczynski's solution is a radical one. He advocates for the overthrow of the industrial technological system and a return to a more primitive way of life. He believes this is the only way to restore human freedom and prevent the total destruction of nature. Think Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Specifically this line, quote, In the world I see, you're stalking elk through the damp canyon forest around the ruins of Rockefeller Center. You'll wear leather clothes that will last you for the rest of your life. You'll climb the wrist-thick kudzu vines that wrap the Sears Tower. And when you look down, you'll see tiny figures pounding corn 
laying strips of venison on the empty carpool lane of some abandoned superhighways. Yeah. Wow. Fight Club is the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that first time. I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I'm trying to live in that anarcho fucking like green movement too. I want to wear leather clothes for the rest of my life and not have to work. <laughs> now I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Like I said, I went and, uh, hike in the woods for like three days and was like, please give me a shower and some barbecue. Okay, I, <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah, they show in the movie at this point where he is frustrated with the power line people because yeah. they're coming through and spraying a lot of the plants around the power lines so that way they don't overgrow onto the power lines. And uh, he's like, they're just coming in and spraying our forests and, and spraying mm-hmm. our berries. I'm going to show them a lesson. And, like, he takes axes mm-hmm. out to the supporting poles on those and, like, maybe topples one or two of the, you know, towers. Yeah. And they have them up, like, the next day. Right. He's yeah. like, God yeah. damn it. Yeah. You can't like, win. <laughs> you can't beat technology and you can't beat those squirrels, Ted. That's right. The squirrels are getting your fucking parsnips. Arch enemies. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You're losing both ways. That's got to be. He's, he feels like, yeah, that's the definition of, like, impotent rage. Like, he just can't win. <laughs> Anyways, Ted ain't fucking around either, man. He's not just a philosopher. He's a soldier in a self-appointed war. His weapon of choice? Mail bombs. And he's a brilliant strategic thinker. He organizes a list of high-value targets, top-level decision-makers in the technology and public policy fields, and takes them out in swift succession. I'm kidding. It's not like that at all. The fact of the matter is that his timeline and targets feel extremely ad hoc and random. Between 1978 and 1995, he is responsible for 16 bombings. The victims? They range from a police officer to graduate students, some professors, the president of United Airlines, to a computer store owner, a secretary, a geneticist, a computer scientist, an advertising executive, which um, that's cool with me, and finally, a timber timber industry lobbyist. These weren't like world-changing or detrimental to any implementation of technology in society at all, right? He's just, every year or so, he's just like... Well, I'm going to mail a bomb to this university. Yep. In the movie, they showed it as like uh, the CEO of, uh, what's the airline? United. United. Airlines. Yeah, mm-hmm. they showed him getting frustrated about that because he would be laying out there in a the field and all of a sudden an uh, airplane would come yeah. by and like break the silence. Yeah. And he would just be like, God yeah. damn it! <laughs> it's, like, it's like in The Simpsons when they have Angry Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Angry yeah, Dad comics true. where Homer loses his mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he just chose United, too. Like, he could see the side of the plane. Yeah. He's like, that's the one there. Dude, he had a little rifle that he was trying to shoot United planes down from, yeah. you know, at, you know, from the ground at 12,000 feet, yeah. you know, 20,000 feet, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Genius in a very narrow sense. <laughs> Not a lot of common sense on this guy. It's just a bad idea all around. Uh, anyways, yeah, the people that he's attacking, they're, they're just like people, dude. They're just grinding it out, trying to get through their fucking day. And that sucks, because no matter how much I believe that there's some validity to his argument, or rather it, uh, it's at least worth considering, he caused the death of three people and the injury of 23 more, and it could have been much worse. So it's three that he killed out of the, yep. the folks that he bombed? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Three, 23 injuries and three deaths out and of 16 like, bombings. It's like sporadic at times. It was just like kind of what pissed him off in the moment. Yeah. You know, like he went through a, a city one time and there was a computer store, like mm-hmm. fr- new computer store, you know, trying to sell, you know, basically computers. World, yeah. word processor computers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It was like, oh, they piss me off and, you know, ends up <laughs> killing the guy that runs the store. Yeah. Okay. You know what I don't like? Computers. <laughs> technology. <laughs> yeah. That's technology in one device. <laughs> you know? You're like, everything's sort of technology. I don't know. I mean, I guess he's eating cans of tuna. You're like, I mean, canned Somebody tuna is a technology it, yeah. of some sort. Somebody had to can it. That's, That's right. right. Yep. <laughs> it didn't always exist that way. 
But while Kaczynski was not a brilliant strategist or even a brilliant bomb maker, I mean, his bomb-to-kill ratio is pretty weak. I was about just to from say, an objective standpoint. I thought he killed a lot more people, honestly. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they fairly... Yeah. Mickey Mouse bombs. Yeah, it was the equivalent yeah. of like mailing a brick of black cats to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, shit! They really hurt. Burn my hand. Burn the hell out of my arm. Yeah. yeah. During this time, they show him like making these bombs out in the uh, out in the woods and testing them, mm-hmm. and it's just like a failed attempt after failed attempt. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, there's actually he could have got much better at building bombs if he had used the internet. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yep. <laughs> just saying. Or like, why didn't he go work for a couple years, store up a bunch of money, and then? You know, pursue his passion. Why did he want to kill the psychiatrist that he didn't? <laughs> that he just couldn't right. get the sack to tell him he wanted to be a woman. I don't know. He's not. You know, not there. Uh, like I said, he's not good at building bombs. He's not good at any of that stuff. Uh, not a very good uh, strategist. But he was very good at concealing his identity. For damn near two decades, he sent bombs and evaded capture from a concerted FBI effort. He painstakingly made sure that there were no fingerprints on anything that he sent. And when he delivered the packages, he made sure he had that full-on drip going. Incognito, right? Those shades, straight fire. That hoodie, total vibe, bro. (laughs) But after shipping bombs like a weak-ass side gig for a couple decades, Ted decided it was time for more recognition. So in 1995, he mailed a number of letters out to various media outlets. He laid out the synopsis of his goals. And he told them that if they were willing to publish his manifesto in full, all 35,000 words of it, he would cease his bombing activities. Like, for reals. He was like, I swear I won't bomb anybody else. Yeah, we heard the same thing from uh, David Koresh out there in Waco. If you just publish my work, I'll stop. We'll all come out. It's true. Uh, And there was a lot of debate as to whether or not to publish it, going so far as to have the attorney general and FBI director weigh in on the matter and ultimately advocating for its publishing as a public service and in hopes of someone recognizing the work, maybe. One person stepped up to publish it in its entirety, and that's Bob Guccione, who would print it in his esteemed publication, Penthouse. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, why do I know that name? Yes. Ah, yes. Ted responded to the offer. He basically said, dude. I'd way rather the Times or the Post publish it. I mean, <laughs> Penthouse? Really? So check it. If Penthouse publishes it, I'm going to kill one more person, okay? Just one, okay? But if the Times or the Post publish it, I won't. Deal? The Washington Post steps up and saves a life that the erotic sensuality of Penthouse just couldn't. <laughs> they publish it in its entirety on September 19th, 1995. So it was the Washington Post. Yes. Not the San Francisco paper. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's important also to note that when they do publish this, there's a lot of people that were discussing it in very serious terms. Like, it wasn't thought of as, like, total quackery. They were like, it's logical. Like, what what the argument here is, this isn't, like, written by a, a madman. Like, some of these things are sort of legitimately valid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, James Q. Wilson in a 1998 New York Times op-ed wrote, quote, If it is the work of a madman, then the writings of many uh, political philosophers, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Thomas Paine, Karl Marx, are scarcely more sane. He added, quote, The Unabomber does not like socialization, technology, leftist political causes, or conservative attitudes. Apart from his call for an unspecified revolution, his paper resembles something that a very good graduate student might have written. And then uh, from a Guardian article I found, quote, The manifesto certainly had a lot more popular appeal than the FBI anticipated. It sold out at newsstands within days. There were people frantically calling the Washington Post asking where they could get a copy. Then smaller presses such as anarchist publishers started publishing paperback editions and pamphlet versions of it. So 
you know, I guess some people probably think like, oh, when he published it, everyone was like, oh, this guy's fucking nuts. But there was legitimate debate going on. Like, about, huh? Yeah. yeah. He's not that crazy. Yeah. yeah it's it's really well written. Point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, as luck would have it, somebody did end up recognizing the style of writing. And that was Ted Kaczynski's own brother, David. That's right. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. He recognized the writing, and this is from a Washington Post article. A key phrase ultimately stood out to David Kaczynski as he read through the lengthy manifesto. It was a phrase his brother Ted had used before, quote, cool-headed logicians. So that's a very specific phrase yeah. that you, a lot of people don't use. So when you hear a word like that, he was just like, wait a second. In fact, his wife... Yeah, um, it was his brother's wife, I think. Exactly. Really yeah, she was like, no, 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 this this has to be Ted. And he was like, no, nah, it can't be. I mean, it can't be. And then he read it, and that one phrase popped in, and he was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple of times that they showed Ted calling in to his brother. The wife picks up the phone the first time, and he hangs up on her. Maybe a month goes by, he calls back again, the brother picks up, and um, he's basically like, is that her in the background? I hear her. Don't just just tell her to leave, please. I want to talk to you in private. Just tell her to get out. And oh, well, you're married now, and you have y'all are a partnership. So like, I'm calling like for some money, but you have to run it by her, don't you? Like, yeah. He, was, he always had this very negative, uh, at least in the movie, a very yeah. negative, almost like a resentment towards women. Yeah. He picked up a job at one point as like a. a working in lumber mm-hmm. and he's sitting here like shaving a tree down with this big ass saw mm-hmm. and this lady comes driving by him like on a tractor and she's like hey you might want to watch out there you're gonna cut your dick off doing it that way <laughs> she said that, she said that in the it. movie yeah. and he looks at her he goes you should have your husband address me if you want to tell me anything i don't listen to you oh uh, well now the left oh, is hate is really starting to come in now i get it and then the <laughs> husband comes up and he's like you know she's the boss right and then, like two minutes later, he gets fired. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Goddamn feminist!" I knew it. <laughs> but the whole time, anytime, anytime a woman talks to yeah. him, he's like, "Fuck you!" Basically, uh, yeah. I hate technology and feminism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, I think David Kaczynski, his brother, like at one point, I think he also went off grid with him for a little while. I believe he did. They don't really show that in the movie. Yeah, uh, but they do allude to it, where he's like, "Oh, you can't come back out here to the woods because you're all married now." Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I like to sleep yeah. in a bed uh-huh. with, <laughs> and with my wife. <laughs> with a shower and food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And electricity. Yeah. <laughs> but like both the Post and the Times, David Kaczynski also faced an ethical dilemma after the phrase stuck out to him. Quote, if we did nothing, we might wake up someday and realize, hey, somebody died because we had failed to act. In that case, we had the blood of innocent people on our hands. On the other hand, there was the realization that if I turned Ted in, he committed three murders. He was the most wanted person in America. He could be executed. I had to ask myself what it would be like to go through the rest of my life with my brother's blood on my hands. Ultimately, we couldn't live with ourselves if we failed to stop the violence. So that is a tough thing to do, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. is. And I know that he was, at least the movie portrayed him, uh, like going to like bathrooms and stuff and like trying to collect DNA of mm-hmm. other people and put that into the packages and stuff. So mm-hmm. it threw the trail off of him. Yeah. Uh, huh. As the FBI and everybody was looking into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just some rando. Yeah, like, <laughs> literally, like, they show him, like, going into a bathroom and finding a hair on a toilet. Gross! Like, he's like, oh, like, God, grabs damn. it up and puts it into yeah. the bag, you know. He was committed. Smash your face with a brick. Yeah. Go ahead and pick up pubes off of a gas station bathroom toilet lid. Like, literally, and then they show him, like, sitting in that same bathroom, like, opening up a can of, like, Spam or something mm-hmm. and eating it, like, right there uh, on the toilet. I'm like. 
Oh. oh like, oh. <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's oh. kind of fucked up. <laughs> Cold yeah. spam on a toilet? On a toilet? toilet? Yeah. Like, Jesus, yeah. man. I'm or a big fan of spam, but not cold <laughs> and not on a toilet. Or some Chef Boyardee just oh, yeah. opened up. Out of the can. Yeah. Well, when you're living that life, I mean, I've eaten, like, out in the woods, I remember opening up, like, a can of tuna and eat it, and you're like, this is the best thing I have ever eaten. <laughs> it's because you're starving. Yeah. <laughs> your your body's trying to tell you that you're dying. Oh, uh, man. Anyways, David Kaczynski and his wife recruited an attorney, and they ultimately sent their tip to the FBI. They also initially had hired a private investigator to track Ted for a while. Okay. Just, they were like... Let's make sure before we, right. you know, we <laughs> need an independent audit of this. Exactly, release the uh, hounds of war on their brother Ted. On April third, nineteen ninety six, the FBI swooped in on Ted's little jack shack and arrested him. A search revealed a cache of bomb components, forty thousand handwritten journal pages that included bomb making experiments, descriptions of the Unabomber's crimes, and one live bomb. Oh yeah, and they found the manifesto. Uh, so uh, yeah. got him. Got him. Oh <laughs> yeah. man. The FBI arrest closed out the most expensive investigation in the organization's history. Interestingly enough, following his arrest, some people started to think that Ted Kaczynski wasn't only the Unabomber, but also might have been the Zodiac Killer. Interesting. Interesting. That was one thing that I was thinking of when you were talking about his manifesto being put out and yeah. having some logic to it was like, you know, because the Zodiac Killer had a manifesto that i think they finally just decrypted yeah he was putting out uh yeah it was like cryptography things or something like that sure. and they did figure it out and also they realized that he was in san francisco at that time the same exact time oh really yeah yeah, yeah. so that one of the guys i was reading about it was like he was like it's an interesting coincidence but it's probably not true okay. yeah but you're just still kind of like oh wow what if you got the unabomber and the zodiac killer all, all at once, once. Yeah. all wrapped up into one yeah exactly anyways ted goes to court where his attorneys push for an insanity plea ted is incensed he does not agree with the strategy so he opts for plan b Hanging himself with his underwear in his jail cell. <laughs> it doesn't work. Also, imagine putting your worn-ass underwear around your neck. <laughs> no thanks. Especially with the dude who lived in the woods for forever. Oh, and yeah. Like, well, he's picking up pubes off of a fucking, you know, eating cans of spam off of a toilet. I yeah. guess wrapping your own whitey tidies around your fucking neck isn't a big deal. Yeah, for the 167 IQ, though, that Haynes to commit suicide. <laughs> My Haynes hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after some court wrangling and psychiatric opinions, some which listed him as paranoid schizophrenic or schizotypal, he is uh, ultimately deemed sane to stand trial. And he is given eight consecutive life sentences with no opportunity for parole. He's sent to ADX Florence, Supermax prison. Yep. 23-hour lockdown. Damn. It sucks. One hour Damn. you get to go outside and in yeah. a cage, probably. But also, Pretty like, much. for showers as well. Like, it's oh, all man. encompassed into that one hour. Yeah. And he's like, Fuck, you, you know who you're talking to? <laughs> I was showering with a bucket, dude. <laughs> I showered with a bucket, and I ate spam on a toilet, and I'll pull pubes off of that toilet seat right there. I don't give a fuck. See me? <laughs> I'm going outside. I'm I not going to waste time in a shower. I haven't combed my hair since the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually funny because I saw a picture of him in 99 and I was like, oh, he cleaned up pretty nice. <laughs> Prison treated him well. Nice. Yeah, they did show him when he was uh, like when he smashed his face with the cinder block yeah. and he was like he had like a hair curler out, too. He was like curling his hair, <laughs> well, like yeah. really trying to not look like himself. <laughs> curling his hair. <laughs> I imagine they're giving you your, your fucking jail bunk roll. They're like, here's your toothpaste, your toothbrush, your pillow. 
here's a curling iron. <laughs> it's a flat iron. Yeah, it's a flat iron. He <laughs> said, I really want to have that fucking silky wave. <laughs> oh, man. And actually, uh, he befriends Timothy McVeigh and Ramsey Youssef. You know, the dude convicted for the 93 World Trade Center yeah. bombing. Uh, they form a gang called the Bomb Squad and order fun <laughs> embroidered jackets from the prison commissary. <laughs> I'm joking about that last part, uh, but he really did become friends with those dudes. No shit. Yeah, wild shit. That blew up Oklahoma City and the it, World Trade Center. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Bomb Squad! <laughs> <laughs> Represent! Yeah. Yeah, dude. There's a, that's the cool table in the ADX. Damn. Get lunch? Yeah. yeah. You're like, hey, can I sit with them? They're like, did you blow anything up? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here then, man. It's funny, though, because he was talking about Timothy McVeigh in an interview, and he was saying that ultimately he was like, I understand what his thought process was, but what he did was just entirely too indiscriminate and savage. Yeah, it was like very random and sporadic. Well, he, I mean, you, yeah, there was like a the daycare that got blown up in that shit. You yeah. Know? It was not like, and with Kaczynski's trying to kill the president of United Airlines or like an ad executive, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're like, oh, I kind of get it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Anyways, he publishes a few more works, and as technology continues to get wilder, a growing number of people openly muse about the prescience of his manifesto. For instance, Elon Musk recently tweeted that Kaczynski, quote, might not be wrong in his diagnosis that technology has been a disaster for humanity. One of a list of uh, Silicon Valley figures who have praised the clarity of the bomber's reasoning. But at 12.23 a.m. on June 10th, 2023, Kaczynski was found in his cell unresponsive. He was taken to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. Prison officials believe his death to be a suicide, but he was also in the late stages of cancer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's Ted Kaczynski, a.k.a. the Unabomber, and maybe the Zodiac Killer. Uh, just kidding. We know that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> Do you, that's been an ongoing joke for a while that everybody's saying Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's good times. Uh, final scores, boys, on Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. All right, so... Honestly, I thought he killed more people. Yeah, yeah I thought yeah. he had more I bodies. I thought he had more bodies his, than yeah. three. So yeah. I feel he's like a genius, I, but he's not a genius at making bombs. And it's funny as the story kind of played out. That was kind of one of the underlying things was extremely intelligent, but kind of did dumb shit. Mm -hmm. Couldn't get out of his own way. Mm -hmm. You could almost put like the the dopey clown music I can imagine <laughs> yeah. behind him some days, <laughs> while he's like almost blowing his fucking yeah. fingers off when shit's yeah. going off. That's funny you say that because. Uh, in his writings, uh, in the beginning, he was like, yeah, I put together this bomb. It didn't really do well, but I almost blew off one of my fingers. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Like, if I was directing that movie, though, there would absolutely be a montage scene where he puts on some old Walkman headphones and he starts playing, you dropped the bomb on me, baby. <laughs> baby. And, and then it shows him working at his workbench. Yeah. And he's got his little like, reader glasses yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, with like three different yeah. magnifying glasses he on him. the bomb on me. And then it cuts and to the going, dude. And he's from... loading fertilizer <laughs> yeah. in the back of his truck. <laughs> <laughs> then it cuts to the like a smash cut to the president of United Airlines like riding his limo to work. <laughs> baby. <laughs> Yeah, no. So honestly, I did. I thought he, um, I thought he'd kill more people. But honestly, what twenty three injured? Twenty three injured. And it was pretty gnarly, man. You'd open up these things and it like it send you to the hospital. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, his. I don't know. It's it's weird how like some smart people go completely off the deep end. Yeah. And you always think, why don't you just harness this for good? Yeah. It's like the computer hackers, right? They spend all their time figuring out how to fuck people over when mm -hmm. in reality you could probably do a lot of good for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or the really good multi level marketers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're terrorists. I don't give a shit. 
Oh, man. So kind of going back, I'm going to go final score. I'm actually going to shade him down just a tick. I'm going to put him at a 9.08 as my final score. Put him down five basis points. Okay. Yeah. Five bips. Five bips because I thought he killed more people than that. But there it is. So 9.08 for me, Randy. Buddy, what are your final thoughts? All right. Yeah. Um. I also thought he had more bodies on him before I did all the research on the show. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, three's not anything to laugh at, plus 26 injured. And just the terror that he reigned on the public for, like, almost the span of two decades yep. plus. Yep. Um, yeah, that that's not, not cool at all. There was one scene in the movie where he's walking in the woods, and it's, like, nighttime, and he's got his rifle and he kind of uses the scope to look into a house where there's this couple and they're like, you know, having a couple drinks and they're kind of dancing. And uh, he's sitting there just like, he's just sitting there looking. He's like, oh, nah, he's guys probably he's like, you want to fuck? And the girl's like, yeah, you know, we want to fuck. And he's sitting there like critiquing her through the scope. And he's like, nice tits, nice <laughs> ass, face meh. <laughs> whatever and he yeah. just like walks off at that point he that's like the hardest incel take of all time <laughs> homeboy was an incel before that word existed someone should have fucked this guy we may have been okay that's what i'm saying like if he had actually made it to like third base yeah him and remember saeed kutub the guy who did milestones who ended up being an inspiration for all the fucking jihadist remember oh, yeah, yeah, that went yeah. To a, he went to university of colorado at greeley really? and couldn't get a hand job from old sally right. sue if he had just gotten that hand job so he probably it, died right? a virgin very possible yes well not a jailhouse virgin probably not adx they don't have time <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah only one hour a day yeah i bet yeah i wonder if he ever got a hooker or anything. That's what I that was was what's running through my mind as I was watching. I was like, this dude just needs to go to Vegas and right. just get a hooker real quick and or just, use the computer and go to Craigslist. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> I've got to bring him up just a little bit. You know, I I like the Jared Fogel range because you know next jump up is Vlad the Impaler and a little bit lo- lower than that's Casey Anthony. So I'm going to actually split the difference between Casey Anthony and Jared Fogel and I'm going to end up at an 8.96. All right. 8.96 for Buddy. Mikey, what you got? Yeah, it's it's really tough cuz like I said, you know, it just feels like wasted talent. The the drive behind what he was doing was the the things he did were awful, but like you know, Elron Hubbard. His shit's like Utter bullshit, and I think he's probably destroyed more lives than yeah. than 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 Ted Kaczynski did. And there's no reason behind that other than his own self enrichment and just sort of the fact that he was a just a fucking narcissistic douchebag. Sure, there are things about Ted Kaczynski where I'm like, I get it. They were talking about one time that really bothered him was in '83. He would find this place. He he it was like a three or four mile hike deep into the woods to this waterfall. He said it was like one of his favorite things. And then when he went to go check it out. They started building roads back there. Uh. And I have been in sort of something similar to that. <laughs> like, for instance, I remember very, very seriously, me and a buddy of ours, we went, uh, this is in North Carolina, and we we're like, oh, well, let's go check out this waterfall. Well, this waterfall was right next to the road, okay? okay? Easy access, full of skanky bikers, oh, right? I'm like, sure. And it just, it irritated me. And I was like, fuck you guys, man. You just, this, is, this is like an afterthought for you guys. Later that afternoon, we went to a different waterfall. It was about a three-mile hike in to uh-huh. just to get there. Barriered entry, much higher. 
not a bunch of skanky bikers. Yeah. And oh, I, I thought was you like, were going to say the skanky bikers were there, too. Oh, yeah. no. They're not hiking. <laughs> Absolutely not. They just want to pull up, get their fat girlfriend off the back of their bike, stand around, put their hands in each other's back pockets, and then fucking drive <laughs> off to the next bar to drink a fucking, you know, tall boy Bud Light. Do it all over again. I don't drink Bud Light <laughs> That's no more. Right. Not anymore. Yeah. At that time, though, they did. Give me a Modelo. That's it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I so there's moments where I've had that same thing where you're like, you motherfuckers, you don't deserve this shit. <laughs> Still, I am, you know, he, he blew people up, so it's, <laughs> it's not great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to put him, I, I'm going to keep him at 8.82 because I just think he's slightly less bad than L. Ron Hubbard. All right, 8.82 for Mikey. And Bill Cosby's at 8.84. I think he's worse, too. We may need to review Casey Anthony then, because she's topping both of them. Well, she did kill her baby. That's way up there. Yeah, but I mean, when we're comparing, like, how much, how many lives did Bill Cosby destroy? A lot, but he didn't kill a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough one, right? Theoretically. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, when you get into quantifying, <laughs> that's what makes this show tough. It's like you're quantifying how, they're all shitty. Yeah. They've all done really bad things. You're just kind of shooting in that range but like with casey anthony killing your own child your own baby yeah that's pretty rough yeah that's yeah yeah plus she was just a weird fucking liar yeah no value at all at least ted kaczynski like solved some sort of very difficult mathematical field <laughs> he solved himself out of a job he did all right with a 9.08 from randy an 8.96 from buddy and an 8.82 from mikey Ted Kaczynski's final asshole score is an 8.95. All right, 8.95. It's going to tick him just above Casey Anthony, baby killer Casey Anthony. Mm -hmm. She came in at 8.92, and as we mentioned, Jared Fogle, uh, Subway Pedo, came in at 9.0. That's right. So in between Casey Anthony and Jared Fogle is the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> I love when you say it like that. Yeah. Sandwiched in between That's Casey right. Anthony. Sandwiched in between Jared and Casey Anthony is the, Unabomber. is the Unabomber. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. All of you Patreon members, be on the lookout in the next few weeks. Uh, your holiday gift uh, will be out to you shortly. Definitely appreciate all the support there. If you aren't in part of the fart circle, that is the ultimate level of support on our Patreon page, in case you're wondering... What the hell that is? Go check it out. There's uh, some cool little perks that you get, including uh, swag from us every quarter or so. Again, definitely appreciate all the support. Keep giving us those five-star reviews and our shout-outs on social media. We love interacting with you guys. So, as always, be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court.